We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. As He hung on the cross, He, he yelled with a loud voice, It is finished. He didn't mean He was done with us. For centuries, the, the blood of bulls and of doves, and for centuries, blood had been shed so that Israel had a hope that a forgiveness would come someday, that a Redeemer would show up. And He hung on that cross that day saying, It's finished. It's complete. I've done it. No more blood. The blood was shed once and for all on Calvary. There's no more need for the shedding of blood, that perfect blood. So He's not finished with us. After He came out of that grave, there were more miracles. After He came out of that grave, there was more live touch. People's lives were changed. After He came out of that grave, people's lives were brought to a new dimension. On a road, He met a man who was trying to destroy the church. But He stopped it. He's not finished with you. He's not finished with me. Let's let God touch us today. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship this morning. We pray for the anointing of God this morning on us as pastor and about of the word we're about to present and as us as Christians that our hearts are are pliable and and acceptable. Uh, Something I said last week I'm going to continue to say. I've just been praying, God, furrow up the ground. Furrowing up ground, just turning the ground over of my heart so that when a seed hits it, it easily goes down into the ground. When something comes by and waters it, it easily accepts the water. And so that when it begins to grow, it easily produces the fruit. I don't want to struggle in God's garden. I don't want to struggle in God's kingdom. Struggle is good for us, but when it comes to word, I want that word to take a root and a holt. Because weeds, they, weeds will get in your life, and they'll take a quick holt. They'll get a quick root. And have you ever noticed how easy it is to pull up a, a, a plant that's got fruit on it? comes up but when you try to pull up a weed it has a firm hold it doesn't want to let go as a matter of fact weeds have such a hold that they will they will allow themselves to be torn from the ground as long as the root can stay there that's their survival instinct so that they can come back up later and be back in your garden again and that's the way the weeds of our life are they take a firm hold and they they want to they they don't even even if you pull them up they as long as you don't you know we've got one of those things that I'm going to start using again you know, thank God John's here because, man, he, he really did a great job in our garden. I'd, I'd look out there and that thing would be smooth and clean because he would take, you know, he would take instruments. He didn't let the weed come back. If a weed came up, it was a different weed. That old weed was gone because there would be a stack of weeds at the end of the garden that I could gladly run over with my lawnmower, make mulch out of it. That's what it's about in our lives, pulling those, getting those weeds up getting them by the root and getting them up. And, and so our lives are not only changed, but they're transformed. That the, the soil that in our, in our life can allow the, the fruit of God to grow in us. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to read verses 6 through 10. The Word says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. The key verse here that I want to talk about today is verse 7. Casting all your care upon Him, 
for he careth for you, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered a while, after that ye have suffered a while, we used to say in where I came from, well, it'll be a, it'll be a little while. It'll be, it'll be, it's all right. I, I hurt myself. It, it'll hurt a little, but it'll be a little while, but it'll be over. It'll quit hurting. Suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Our lives are so full of care nowadays. Our lives are so, you know, you read back on the days of our early pioneers and early settlers, and you think, my, didn't they have a, a fairly good road to go? You know, they, they, put, they traveled by their wagons, and they had their animals, and they would stop somewhere, and that maybe they would cut trees down and build them a cabin, and, and they had all they fished, and they did all this new thing. But, you know, have you ever really examined? They had, listen, cares have not changed very much. Cares have not changed very much. Our dynamic has changed, but the things that we take for granted back in the early 17, 1800s, they wish they had. Don't, don't you think, don't you think that those people traveling across America in covered wagons, don't you think they would love to have had a nice new pickup? A gas station on every corner. Instead of taking, instead of taking them 20 months, they could cross the United States in 20 hours. You know, their cares were just like yours and I. They had cares. That it was just a different dynamic. So we have a lot of cares today. You think about the cares that are in our life. I mean, it seems like, and you know, I'm almost going to go the Austin route. Maybe it's time to just clip, clip off dish. Because all I ever see on dish is the negative side of what's going on in the world. It's all negative, no matter what you turn to. It's all negative. It's all about this is bad and that is bad. And, you know, it's almost like somebody's trying to scare us to death. You know, have you ever examined that term, being scared to death? There is a spiritual connotation to that that a lot of times we don't really even examine. Being scared to death. Fear can so encompass and, and, and ingrain itself in our lives that we literally die from it it literally takes a hold of our life takes root in our life and it's never pulled up and we literally die from it we literally die from it. man the the things that are going on in the world right now when i look at them you know this guy was foolish for doing this and these people started this thing over here and you know here's what's strange none of us are going to be here but if jesus doesn't come in a hundred years the truth's going to come out the truth's going to come out about what's going on now It'll be because think about the things you know about the truths that have come out a hundred years ago when none of us were here, and look at all. Oh, oh, that didn't happen that way. It happened this way. The truths start coming out. So in about a hundred years, the truth will come out, and we'll know we'll know who started COVID. We won't. They will. We'll we'll know who 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 caused the problems. And no, we won't. They will. So we're not going to know any of this stuff. Y'all really think? We're going to, do y'all really think we're going to discover where COVID started? 
Oh, yeah, we're smart. Yeah, we've thought that for a while. Do y'all really think when you hear, hello, U.S. government, we're here to help you, do y'all really think that's a good saying? When you hear that, lock the door, load your gun, be ready. Now, that's probably not a good thing to say, but understand something. When you hear that sound and you hear that voice, something's wrong. Do you really think we're ever going to escape that? Man, it got quiet, didn't it? You see, there are a lot of cares in our lives that we really don't have a clue about. There's a lot of care in our life. There's a lot of things that go on. And I'm going to talk about cares and what they really are. Because most of us think cares are, well, I didn't get to go on vacation this year or last year or the year before. Or some of our cares is, you know, I wanted that new vehicle, but, you know, they cut back at work. So some of us think cares are, you know, I really wanted to do this or go there or have this. And that's what we think our cares are. But that's not what cares really are. You know, as I read Peter's epistles, you know, I gain more and more respect of, of his love for the church. Peter was a man that loved God. He was the man that denied Jesus three times. That the same man that stood up at Pentecost and said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet. He loved God. But Peter took it to the next level. He loved the church. He loved the church. In 1 Peter, when you start in the first beginning of chapter 1 and go up to the chapter that we're at now, he's actually writing to a flock that's been scattered. And they've lived in this first century church uh, where they're constantly being harassed. I mean, what if every week somebody showed up here at our church and harassed us about being here? What if every week they came by and they berated what we were talking about and they hassled us and they were, you know, pushed you around before you came in the doors? You know, some of us would just get in our vehicle and leave. Some of us would say, you know what, you better stop. You're going to have a fist fight. Some of us would say, you know what, move out of the way. I'm coming in. I'm going to the church. What if it was like that today? What if we were being challenged at every hand? See, Peter was writing to the church that was being challenged at every hand in their life. So he writes to them because he loves them. He wants to encourage them. He wants them to be exhorted. And so today through the apostle Peter, God's going to encourage us. and He's going to exhort us today through this apostle. In his letter, Peter reminds us of God's changes or chances in our life. God has constant. When you start in 1 Peter chapter 1, you see that Peter brings about this thought process that God has constantly put chances in our life. You don't walk into something by chance. You walk into something because of chance. God put the chance there. It wasn't just happen chance, happenstance. Things happen in your life because God has already placed those before you. God, God walks ahead of you, and he places those things. And Peter reminds the church about that, and, and he reminds you that, that God's outstretched hand is, if God puts the chance there, his outstretched hand is already there to meet the need. Peter reminds us that God cares for his people. He cares for his people. Most of the time in Christianity, we miss the fact that he cares for us. We know he loved us, for God so loved the world that he gave. We know He loves us because God is love, but we forget about that He cares for us. There's a difference between loving someone and caring for them. There are people that I love that I've never cared for. I'm not cared as in liking, cared as in helping. There are people, you know, let's just, for instance, I've got, let me make this easy. I've got cousins in my life, and they're cousins, and I love them. 
but I've never once cared for them. I like them. It's not that kind of care. It's that I, I, I never paid their bills. I never went over and helped them cut their grass. I didn't help them raise their family. I didn't help them in the times of trouble and need. Their cares were their cares, and they had to deal with their cares. So God cares for you. God cares for you. Often we lose sight of this fact. Our lives become encased in this world we're living in that has gotten so much busier, and I'm not talking about work. We blame work a lot for things, don't we? We blame work. You know what? Most of the time, well, I couldn't make it because I had to work. Well, I couldn't be there this week because I had to work. But, well, you know, I, I would have been there to the birthday party, but I had to work, work late. We blame a lot of things on work, but is work the problem? If work the problem, if work is the problem, then work becomes a care in our life. Work should not be a care in your life. It should not be a care in your life. But many of us have lost sight of God asking us to cast our cares because he cares for us. Let's not forget this one thing, church, and this is a, strictly about you and me. This is strictly about you and me. Let's don't forget this. Jesus is coming to take us. Jesus is coming to take us. We, we forget that. If we, here's how I know that, because a lot of times I have to deal with people's cares in their lives, and they've forgotten that Jesus is coming. You know, what's the big picture here? That I have a big home and a nice car, that, that everything's hunky-dory? Is that the big picture? Because that's the big picture of America. The big picture is Jesus is coming to get us. You know, it's kind of like being a prisoner. You know, I read a story about a prisoner of war during World War II, and they got word that the America had overcome, and they were coming to get them. He said, this writer, he said, in there, the particular captors were so scared of Americans, they just left. They left them locked up. They were there by themselves in their, in their cages, so to speak, and the captors left. They were so scared of what the Americans were going to do. Understand something. Jesus is coming to get us. Our, our, the, the things that try to capture us are just going to flee. But see, we forget about that God cares about our cares. And we get embroiled and embattled and encased in our cares. So I want to remind you first, He's coming. This world, this world, this world is not your home. This is not your home. If you've made residence here, you've made a huge mistake. If you've made residence here, you might not. We all live in homes or apartments or whatever, wherever we live. But that's not, this world is not our home. Home is where the, home is where the, this world is not our home. If your heart is in this world, then maybe Jesus isn't coming for you. We've got to remember some things as God's people. He's coming for us. So when we get to chapter 5 in 1 Peter, he opens up with some exhortations of leadership. The beautiful thing about Peter is he showed a lot of leadership, something that we lack in America, something that we lack in our families, something that we lack in church. Leadership, what true leadership is. Leadership. 
Peter ends chapter 5 with three firm exhortations, though, and that's what I really want to talk about. He says, humbly cast your cares, soberly resist the devil, and confidently stand in his grace. Let me say that again. Humbly cast your cares, soberly resist the devil. You, you can't resist the devil if you're not sober. Now, y'all taking it where you already took it somewhere that's not even going. Talking about anybody being drunk. Being sober is being very aware. You, you can't resist the devil if you're not aware. So be aware and then confidently stand in the grace that he's given you. So let's read verses 5 through 7 again. Likewise, ye younger, I want to back up. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Up. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Man, that's pretty tough in our society today. Pretty hard. That's a hard thing. See, we don't, because in our society today, we've become so overwhelmed with the computerized system that most of our younger, I'm just going to take it to one level first, most of our younger think when they get out of college, they know more, more than we do. Well, they do about the computerized system. But let me tell you something. The computerized system is not what this life is about. That, that's that level. Let, let's just take it to another level. Understand something in Scripture. You can be younger, you can be younger and submit yourself to the elder in church, but it has nothing to do with your age. It has nothing to do with your age. It has to do with your relationship with God, younger and elder. Okay, so let me keep going. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. All of you, boy, so talk about some leadership here. All of you be subject one to another. That means nobody is Lord over anybody in this building. Nobody one-ups one anybody else in this building. Nobody says, well, I'm better than that one in this building. You might be smarter than me, but when we get on God's terms, it's a whole different ball game. Because God's not looking at how smart you are and how dumb I am. He's looking at relationship. So we've got to be subject to one another. What does that mean, subject to one another? That's why he makes the statement about casting cares. Be clothed with humility. What does that mean to be clothed with humility? Well, y'all look pretty nice today. You're clothed in some very nice clothing. If you had no clothes on today, I would have to preach like this. It's the same thing with humility. The reason that we're to be clothed with humility is God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And when you're clothed in humility, you, that's where we're going to read it. That's where grace comes into your life. But if you can't even be humble, if you can't be humble enough to, if you can't even be humble enough to say, hey, well, you know, you're, you're doing a great job living for God. Maybe that person's struggling. Maybe they're having a hard time, and you know it. But you know what? Being humble means you don't, you don't put your thumb in their eye and say, well, dude, you better get on the stick because you're going about to be left. Let humility take its place because humility will bring that love into your life. So be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, gives grace to the humble. Wow. God resists the proud. Look up that word resist. You're going to find something. 
When you resist something, that means you take up arm. You take up arm. That's what resist means. You take up arm. So God takes up arm against the proud. God doesn't just go, well, well, there's a dummy. You can't even get it. He takes up arm against the proud. But then the grace, what is grace? It's that thing that's not merited to. We can't earn it. We can't. It's just that thing God gives in our life that allows things to happen in our lives. Wear humility from head to toe. Listen, submission, where it talks about submitting, it, that, that's not a new subject in, in Scripture. It's not the first time submission is mentioned in the Bible. Submission is very important for us to understand. And a lot of us that come from the old church like that, wives, submit yourself to your husbands. We like, we like when we read that part. Oh, that's submission. Yeah, I get that. It's just submit. You know, but we don't like the part where we're to submit to one another. You know, men don't like this. We, we don't like submission, do we? We like to be on the top level, the top rung. That's just, you know, it's a design in our nature. It's a flaw. God didn't design the flaw. He didn't design the flaw. We brought that onto ourselves. When we figured that we were smarter than God, when we figured that maybe God did not say that, when, you know, that, that was the challenge of the devil in the, in the garden. Hath God not said? Hath God? Let's question God about what he said. But I understand something. Submission is something. It's a, submission is a key to humility. You cannot be humble without being submitted. Can't be humble without being submitted. It won't work. Show me someone who's proud, who's loud, who's boisterous, who, who causes problems, and, and I'll show you an unsubmissive person. Those type of people, when you meet them, understand something. They're that way because they're not going to submit to anyone. Or anything. Listen, it's, it's not old-fashioned to listen to the elder saints. It's not old-fashioned to, co- to have conversations with the elder saints. Or if an elder saint has something they want to help you with, you know, that's old-fashioned in the old church. No, it's not old-fashioned. It's what we're called to do. You know, I, if, if there's an elder in, in, in Scripture, an elder that's been in the church, what, and that wants to help me with something, how big of a fool would I be to say no? I would be a fool. Listen, I'm going to say something. There's, there's, there's several of you that are growing in grace. I'm going to put it this way, and you can attach it to whatever you think. You've grown in grace for many years, several of you here, and, and you're so needed. You were so needed. What, what, the grace that you've grown in and the things that you've endured in, 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 through your life are so needed because there's a reason that we should submit ourselves to our elder. And I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about people that have been in the church, that have been submissive to God, that have learned how to live for God. You, your wisdom needs to be cast into our lives. There are things that, listen, if you can save me problems, please, by all means, look me up. Look me up. If you can save me any heartaches, please, by all means, call me. If you can see that I'm going down a wrong road, please, by all means, you have permission. Hey, Pastor Don, I see you going down this road. Let's talk about the road you're on. That's very, it's very important. And listen, I appreciate what you've gone through in your years and your relationship. We love your wisdom and the years that God has entrusted you in that wisdom. But let, let me add something again. Don't confuse age and maturity. Everybody, don't confuse age with maturity. I said it last week. I'll say it again. I've met people that are very 
young in age that were very mature in God, and I've met some people that are very old in age that are very immature in God. Maturity has nothing to do with age. It has to do with relationship again. So, uh, when you believe that because you've been here, you know, I've been in the church over 40 years now. 40 years this last March. 40 years. If I'm, if I'm dumb enough to believe that because I've been in the church 40 years that uh, I don't need to hear nobody, you can't tell me anything else. I, I can't learn anything else. There's not a sermon that I can't listen to that I might glean something from. If, if I've been in the church this long that I think, you know, I've heard it all. I've preached it all. I've done it all. I've experienced it all. I've seen it all. When you come to that point, you know what happens? What you haven't realized? Pride has creeped its way. Crept, I guess, is the, probably the proper word. I'm trying to be better English-minded. Into your life. I don't... I don't have to submit to that. Don't, don't you know how much wisdom I have? Don't you know how long I've been in the church? Don't you know how much I've prayed and read the Bible? Don't you know how many sermons Pastor Don's preached? I don't need to hear what you have to say. Thank you, Jesse. For I, I, got, I gleaned some stuff all that today that I'm going to go home and study. So some things that God said, hey, won't you look, look, look into this because there's a deeper thing here. But if I come to the point where I can't do that, Pride has crept into my life, and I don't even realize it. And pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit. Because here's what happens to prideful people. They get real haughty. You know what haughty means? We, we call it snotty, stuck up. What, you know, I'm just better. I'm just greater. I better get off that. God, resi- the word resists in the Greek means to oppose, range oneself, set arm against. God hates the sin of pride. God doesn't despise the sin of pride. God hates it. If God despises something, boy, there's a good chance you can get. If God hates something, Proverbs 8 and 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. When you reverence God, you hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth, God says, I hate it. He said, I hate pride, I hate arrogance, and I hate evil, and I hate a perverse mouth. I'm still talking about casting your cares, all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. In my submission to God, I'm trusting God that my God is bigger than any situation that my life will ever have. When I submit to God, oh, I thought that means when you have faith in God. No, when I submit to God, Because here's something else about submission. If you want to have faith, you've got to be submitted. If you're not submitted to His Word, if you're not submitted to His way, if you're not submitted to His Spirit, if you're not submitted to those things, don't think that you can pray and that God is going to... You know, you've blocked your own prayer by not being submissive. Just being submissive. My submission is this. God... You're bigger than anything that's ever going to come into my life. And so whatever comes into my life, whatever care happens in my life, I'm going to give it to you. Listen, here's what submission really is about. If mom or dad make wrong decisions, I'm still right with God. If my mom or dad make bad decisions, make, make, make wrong decisions, I, 
I'm still right with God. If a pastor or a leader makes a wrong decision, I still trust God. If my husband or wife goes the wrong direction, God's still my strength. The thing about submission is God, God, God. God, I'm right with you. God, I trust with you. Because here's what, here's what we've seen. Many of us have seen this. Somebody goes bad in a church, and then the whole church goes bad. Something happens major in the church, and half the church leaves. I told you all this before. saw a church split when I was a kid. The church split. It was Rule Shade Baptist. Now it's Rule Shade Baptist and Oak Shade Baptist. You know why they split? They, helped, they kept the Baptist. They stayed Rule Shade and Oak Shade. They liked the shade, but it became the rule and the oak. You know what happened? It was over two ladies that sat in a certain pew in a certain place every Sunday that somebody sat in their place one Sunday, who was visiting, by the way, and they walk up to the visitor and just stand in front of them, staring. The visitor smiled. The ladies got real upset and left. Then they come back and they get with the pastor. And here we go. What's right and wrong about this? Here we go. And before you know it, yeah, our small church became smaller. Your responsibility isn't to make sure that those in authority make right decisions. I'm not giving myself out here. I'm giving you an in. It's not your responsibility to make sure Pastor Don makes the right decisions. That's my responsibility with God. Your responsibility is to be right with God regardless of what decision I make. Listen, if you don't think God doesn't take care of those, (laughs) if I make a wrong decision and I don't write the decision, if I don't try to do my best to, because listen, we all make wrong decisions in life, don't we? We always, we make incorrect decisions. We don't go the right direction. But if I choose to live in it, stay in it, thrive in it, and no matter what happens to y'all, I'm gonna, this is my decision, I'm going to make it. Don't worry, God take care of that. You don't have to do a thing. You remain submitted to God. Remain submitted to God. Because God gives grace to the humble, the submitted. And I want to be under the waterfall of grace from God. Let me ask you a question. Would you, would you rather humble yourself to God or would you rather God humble you? I'd rather humble myself to God because when God humbles you, then it can be devastating. Listen, being humble, it's not something you want God to do, humble you. Have you ever been? I, I've been humbled. I wish I had humbled myself first because it's a real hard lesson to learn. Listen, when you, when you humble yourself, God's going to exalt you. That hoopso, uh, elevate, lift you up in due time. When you, when you humble yourself, when you submit yourself to God, God's going to exalt you. He's going to graduate you. He's going to give you a higher job. He's going to move you higher when you exalt. He, he will, God wants to exalt you. He wants to lift you up. He wants people outside of the church to see you and want to be like you. Why? Because God says, well, that's my people. Why do you think God blessed his people the way he did in the Old Testament? It says because he wanted the heathen, the pagan, to see what the real God was like. 
This is what the real God does when his people follow him. And this is how the real God takes care of his people when his people follow him. It's important that we understand those things, that God wants to exalt you. He wants to lift you up, but he's never going to exalt you, never going to lift you up until you're ready. And you're never going to be exalted until you submit. And the way you submit is to cast your cares on him. We're going to talk about that in just a second, and I'll be done. Psalm 75, 6 through 7. For exaltation comes neither from the east, from the west, from the south. But God is the judge. He puts one down. He exalts another. God puts one down. No, they don't. Oh, he, that's what, see what happened to him? See what he did? Now he's been put down? No, no, no. What he did is what he did. God makes sure that he wasn't exalted. Don't worry. God will take care of it. It's hard sometimes to wait on God, though, isn't it? It's hard sometimes to wait. We think we're ready for promotion in God. We think we're ready to do great things in God. We think we deserve to be elevated in God. But at just the right time, at just the right moment, is when God's going to exalt you. And it's when you have humbled yourself and are submissive. It's during those moments of humbling that things aren't going the way we think they ought to go. Isn't that strange about being humbled or even humbling ourselves? When you humble yourself, you, you will refuse to do things that you really want to do. May or may not be sin, may or may not be the right or wrong thing. But you put yourself in a place where you, something or someone is over you. When you do that with God and you say, God, this is what as a human I would like to do. And it may not be sin, it may not be wrong, but you humble yourself and you submit yourself to God. But God, if you would rather me do this, I'll go there. I'll do that. When, when God sees that in, in, a, in a human frame, then God's really attracted to that human frame. That, that's somebody God can use. And that's somebody God can exalt and lift up. It's during those times that we should be content with what God's doing. And let Him, listen, when you're, when you're humbling yourself, God is strengthening you. And you don't really see it until afterwards. When you humble yourself, when, when you submit yourself... God is bringing an encouragement into your life that later on, when you come to the place where God promotes you to, you will see that, that encouragement and that strength and what it does to pass you through that promotion. One of the things I learned when I was manager for Home Depot is that when I got there and I showed up the, the first day, I didn't ask to be promoted. And no one said, hey, we're going to promote you. You've been here a day. Wow. No, you know what they did? They watched the manner in which I worked for their company. There were some great people at that company, but they didn't work for the company. They worked for themselves. They were all about pushing themselves. They were all about presenting themselves. And that company did not want that type of person. Kind of changed since then, but... Self-promotion takes you down the ladder in God. But when you humble yourself and you take yourself down the ladder in God, God says, stop, 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 stop. Let's just climb back up. Let's move back up. Save yourself a little agony and just submit to God. <laughs> Can I say that? I'm just giving you a personal. Save yourself some agony and just submit to God. And he, he's going to promote you in due time. So let's get to the point right at the end. 
casting all your care upon him. Casting all your care. The Greek word for care means distractions. It's not something you want or you need. The word care here in the Greek means distractions. Casting all your distractions. I'm not distracted by food. I like it, as you can tell. I'm not distracted by it. I can just run down to the store and buy some and eat it. That's not a distraction. I'm not distracted by electricity. We have it. Yes, we have air conditioning. We have lights. Let's pay the bill every month. Pretty simple. I'm not distracted by that. I get distracted when I don't pay the bill. You know what they'll do? It get awful hot awful quick. They just turn it off. See, that's not a distraction. We, we, or, or that's not a care. That's, that, that's, that's not a distraction in our lives. What is a distraction? A distraction. A distraction is something that causes anxiety. A distraction, a care, something that causes anxiety. What is anxiety? It's a feel of hopelessness. And when we are anxious, be not anxious for tomorrow. Jesus talked about this. The Bible talks about being anxious. There's a reason we're not to be anxious because it goes against faith. Anxiety goes against faith. When we have anxiety about things, it, it's a lack of trust in our God. Well, now, Pastor, I, you know, today we're, we're, we're a lot more educated medical-wise. No, no, no offense to medical people. We're a lot more educated. So we understand that anxiety really comes because there's a, there's a thing in your body where this chemical meets that chemical and causes your brain to, God bless you. Let's see. Y'all don't take offense. I, Dr. Gordon was my favorite doctor growing up. He was, he was a family friend, Dr. Gordon. But Dr. Gordon or Dr. Jesus? Dr. Gordon or Dr. Jesus? I'm going to stand on this side every single time. But there were times when we trust, trusted Dr. Gordon more than we trust, trusted Dr. Jesus. Well, Jesus, does, he doesn't hold appointments. Yeah, he does. He does every day. Well, I don't get to talk to him. Yeah, every day you do. Well, you know, he's given us the brains and smarts to be able to do. Absolutely. So I'll run to Dr. Gordon before I run to Dr. Jesus. Dr. Jesus must say, hey, I, give, I gave Dr. Gordon the ability to fix that. Why don't you go see him? Y- yeah. Dr. Jesus may say, go over there because here, here's something that's got to go on in someone else's life. This is going to affect someone else. Y'all don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But when we have anxiety, when we have worry, they are distractions. They are cares in our life, and we have to cast them on Him. We have to be rid of them in our life. Cast them on Him, and let Him give us the wisdom and understanding on what to do in the care. Instead of being busy about taking care of it ourselves. Pastor Don is one of the worst. Man, I could really use this, but I'll just take care of that myself. You don't believe me? Ask, Ask my wife. I'll, just, I'll do that myself. I'll just take care of it. When it says cast your care, the Greek there, when you look into the Greek, means you do it once and you do it for all. You don't come back to that care and remind God again of that care. You cast it on Him. If you're reminding Him again, that means you've got another one. Cast it on Him, give it to Him. It's not giving Him a few and keeping a few. It's, it's not holding on to the ones you think you can handle. It's not picking or choosing the ones you want. He said, cast all your cares. Everything that distracts you from what? From Him. If it distracts you from Him, 
Psalm 103, 13 through 14. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. He cares about us. He cares about us. So let's just finish this. Soberly resist the devil. Always a struggle, always a battle, isn't it? devil always shows up, doesn't he? He always shows up at the wrong time. He always shows up at the time when you don't expect it. He always shows up at these times when you least think it's going to happen. devil shows up. Why? Why? Because he, he is the author of frustration, the author of anxiety. He's the author of these things in our life that distract us. He just wants us to read the book. He authors the book. He just he can't make us read it. But you know what we do sometimes in life? We pick, it, we pick up frustration, and we just start reading that book. And we never look at the author. Wow, what a book. Look what this is, this is going on in my life. This person has very big smarts. This is happening in my life. When it's the devil frustrating us, giving us fear, anxiety, all those things. He's doing that for a reason. There's a reason you're to soberly resist the devil because God is trying to bring peace and blessing into your life. And he's trying to block peace and blessing. He's an adversary. He wants, to, he wants to devour you, your dreams. He wants to devour your ministry, your family. He wants to devour everything about you. I don't know why we don't hate the devil more than we hate him. It's okay to hate the devil. He's a pure evil. The Bible says God hates evil, so it's, we're allowed to hate. We're allowed to hate the devil. Why we don't hate him more? Because he tears up our families. We, we, he, he does things. We allow him to influence in our life and all these. What an adversary. Be sober, be vigilant, be watchful. Notice Peter never said to talk to Satan. Eve's mistake was, her mistake wasn't eating the fruit. Her mistake was talking to the devil. Because he's going to lie to you every time. He's going to lie to you every time. The father of all lies, there's no truth in him. He can't tell you a truth. He can't see a truth in you and tell you the truth that he sees. It's not possible. And so that's what's going to happen. He didn't say, rebuke Satan. He didn't say, what did he say? Step all over Satan. Y'all been in that service? We put the deal and step on Satan. We're stepping on the devil. He said, do, don't do that. Don't do that. that that's, the devil's not right there. What's figurative? Well, Okay. He said to resist him. Take up an arm against him. You ever taken up an arm against the devil? So we think resist him is do this. Just I'll look the other way. Uh-uh. No. Because when you do that, the whole armor of God covers what? Head to toe. He's going to wait for you to turn your back. And he's the biggest backstabber there is. You, you confront him. You've got word. You confront him. You resist him. It means you take an arm against him. Stand firm in grace. Be steadfast in his grace. Standing in the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't forget, you know, you're not in your trials and sufferings by yourself. You know, sometimes in my faith, my knees wobble. Sometimes in my, my faith kind of feigns. But I gotta just stand. Stand with me if you would. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seventeen. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seventeen. For our light affliction, 
We think of an affliction as, well, I, I got sick. But an affliction covers more than a physical problem. An affliction can be something that comes against you. It can be a mental problem. It can be a personal problem. It can be a, a problem that enters into you. It doesn't have to be a physical thing at all. Affliction is different. Our light affliction, man, I, I don't know who Peter's talking to, but, I, man, I've had a lot of, I don't consider them light. No, here's good leadership. Here's good leadership, and I'm going to try to transfer it to you here. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Listen, the cares, the things that are, that are causing you not to be aware of God, cares aren't the things you need, but the things that get in your way. And he said, the things that get in your way, just give them to me. And this light affliction, these cares, they're only for a moment. Only for a moment. And they're working for us a more far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Could you think of your cares that you could cast on Him and the afflictions that come in your life as a something that's really working in your life for an eternal purpose? Listen, grace is the foundation of your life. By grace are we saved through faith. Grace is the foundation. Where sin abound, grace doth much more abound. There's not enough sin in the world to cover up God's grace. There's not enough sin in the world. You can't sin enough that God's grace can't manifest and overflow and like a flood. You know, there's, there's, there's people in New Orleans are expect they're going to experience enough flood that's going to listen. That's what God's blood. That's the grace of God. It just pushes that stuff out of the way when God's concerned. God's not the God of all wrath. God's not the God of all judgment. But He is the God of all grace. He is the God of all grace. He's not the God of all works. He's not the God of self-effort. He's the God of all grace. Anytime you look at God's grace and you see it functioning, you see spiritual growth. It is amazing. Anytime you see the grace of God functioning in lives, you see growth. Not just in a person, but in a church, in a movement. Let me read Titus 2. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we have, notice it, You're denying the cares. Denying those things. We should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Let me stop here. I'm going to finish here. But for those of us that are confused about who Jesus is, here's an easy solution. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's pretty simple to understand who Jesus is. Who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort 
and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Understand that in our nature, we have a nature for need. We have a nature for need. We call it care, but it's not really care. Because what happens in our need is that our need then becomes a care, something we need to give to God. Because it becomes a stumbling block, it gets in the way. But if we can just cast our care, what do you think God's going to do with the need? God is going to perform that work in your life. I told him Wednesday I was going to bring a pack of, of mustard seeds and give everybody a mustard seed. Why is that? Why did Pastor Don say that? Just that much faith creates humongous things in our... And, and I'm going to... This is going to be different. I'm going to end with this. I, I'm just going to be real honest with you. Y'all let me be open. Well, I've got the mic. You're going to have to... I struggle this week because I, I firmly believe there are people that I know that are convinced that God's done saving. God's done saving. Anybody can be saved that wants to be saved. It doesn't matter what their situation is. Anybody. When I look back into my life, we, we were discussing some things, and I, you know, it kind of embarrassed me, but because I, I said it and should have said it, we were discussing a few things in the office this morning, and we we're just talking about, you know, we we're actually we're talking about drugs and that kind of stuff. But you know, the fact now that somebody knows that I knew how to do certain things was drugs to make them work. You know, hopefully y'all forgot that. <laughs> you know. If God can take a per now, I'm not chung and cheek, y'all. Listen, I can't, I'm not going to stand here and tell you my life story. I'm not going to do it. It, it. it will do nothing to glorify God. But I will tell you my new life story. Because the old didn't glorify God at all. It was reckless. It was stupidity. It was what any human being should never do. But I'm here to tell you honestly. There's not a soul on this planet that can't be saved if they don't want to be. Now, they got to want to be. They got to want to be. I hope you pray for your leaders. Uh, that begins at home, and hopefully you're praying for me, and hopefully you're praying for your governor, and hopefully you're praying for your president. The Bible tells us to pray for our leaders. If there wasn't hope through prayer for our leaders, why would God even ask us to pray? I asked this question Wednesday. I'm going to ask it again. What if, and I'm throwing a what if at you because I want faith to grow in us. What if in two weeks, President Biden gets on the television and he said, I've got a major announcement. These people came and they, they wanted to pray for me. And, I, you know, they're Americans and I want to make sure I include all Americans. So I had them pray for me. And I, I was fine with it. He said, 
What if he said, I began to feel something that I've never felt before? And I'm, okay, well, it, you know, what if Biden got on TV? See, a lot of us are not, aren't, I haven't even finished what I'm going to say, and none of it because it's Biden. Okay, what if Trump, let's go back four years. Some of us don't like the fact that, you know, I'm not trying to be political, but understand something. We have a leader that needs prayer. What if he got on television and said, I'm not sure what you're going to do about this now, but I received something they called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I spoke in a language I didn't. What if that happened? See, most of us are going, right, yeah, right. That's, gonna, that's what most of us are saying. That man needs Jesus. Not because he's president. Not because he's in a power position. Not because he's a career politician. That man needs Jesus because he needs Jesus. He needs to be saved. That's the bottom line. Oh, well, he needs Jesus so it'll help me as a Christian. Uh-uh. You don't pray, God, help him become a Christian so that betters me. Uh-uh. You missed it. God, help him to become a Christian so that we get back. Uh-uh. You missed it. Help him to be a Christian so they'll take away all these things they're making us do. Uh-uh. You missed it. God, help him to be born again because he needs you. He needs you. But we're having a problem in the church world believe in those type of things because it's so odd, if you will. It's so odd, if you will. I understand in the Old Testament that God hardened the heart of a Pharaoh, but He did it through one after another, after another, after another. Every time He gave Pharaoh, let my people go. No, we're not going to do it. Well, here comes another one. Let my people go. No, here comes another one. His heart was hardened because of the things that were going on. God was putting in his life. He hardened the heart of Pharaoh through the process. That is a type and shadow, Hebrews. That's a type and shadow. That is a physical type and shadow of a spiritual event today. And so when we start growing in faith, when we start growing in grace, when we start believing that God can do the unbelievable, the extraordinary, what do you think would happen if He got on TV and did that? Well, all, most all of you in here would find glory in it because you've been wanting Him to be removed. They would remove Him. Don't think if He got on TV and said that, they wouldn't think this man has lost his marbles. They would remove him, so we would get our wish, wouldn't we? If you're, that's what you're wishing. What do you think would happen? Well, it wouldn't affect America at all. But what if it affected Joseph Biden? See, faith is not about what it does for us. Faith is about what it does for someone else. And when we walk in Jesus Christ within ourselves, we are totally lost. We are totally lost. It's not about me. If I'm walking in this faith to be saved, it's not about that I'm lost. I've missed the whole boat about what God wants to do in His church. If I walk in the grace that God's given me, if I follow the commission God's given me, if I follow the leadership that Jesus Christ gave me, guess what gets to happen in the end? I'm not doing all this to be saved because that don't work. That don't work. You're not saved by all of this. You're saved just under obedience to what the Bible tells us is a born-again experience, and you're saved when those doors clink behind you after you've lived your relationship, 
after you've lived your relationship. Church, we gotta live, we gotta live a relationship here. We gotta cast our distractions on him so that we don't have them, so that we can allow him to minister through us into the lives of people around us. Sure, I want to be saved. Y'all don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I want to be saved. But if I'm in this for me, I'm not going to be. You know how I can prove it? Can we prove it with Scripture? If you say you love God, but you hate your brother or you don't love your brother, you're a liar. You, you can't you can't say you love God and not keep His commandments. You can't say you love God and not keep His commission. You can't say you love God and not have relationship. Jesus said that doesn't work. Well, how do we, how do we say we love? How do we express that? Well, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. Lord, when, we've never done that. When, when, when are we? Well, when you've done it unto the least of these, my, you've done it unto me. What was he saying here? That we got to go around feeding everybody and clothing everybody? No, that's a portion of what we do as Christians. What was, say, what was he saying? You have to love someone else more than you love yourself. You have to love others more than you love yourself. Could not Jesus have said, angels, come take care of this. I'm done. I love me more than I love them. Yes, he could have. But he loved you and me more than he loved himself. And that's all he's asking you and me to do. Just look. That doesn't mean you can't live your life and you can't have family. That doesn't mean you can't do what you're doing. What it means is that we have to get off our and move forward and do what He's called us to do. I'm praying. I, I don't have any Scripture for this. I'm just I'm praying against it, actually. Just so you know. I'm praying there's not a list. There's not a list of the people that I should have infected that I didn't. I hope that doesn't show up in my crown deal because I'm going to be without a crown. The people that I should have affected the people that I should have got into their life and said, hey, you know, there's a God that can help you here. Church, I, I hope you recognize it. I, I need to close. I'm sorry. God has been pretty heavy on us for probably two years now. God's been pretty, he's been pretty, because God has something to do here. He wouldn't invest it if it wasn't possible, if it wasn't probable, if he didn't have the plan. He wouldn't invest in us this way. But he's been, been pretty heavy with us about, let's go and get it. Let's get it done. Let's go. And so, I guess today, Pastor Don needs to, I've got some cares. I've got some cares. I've got some cares that I need to give him because they're just distractions. I was disturbed this week because of Distractions. I was a little upset this week because of distractions. I little got a little off track because of distractions. I got to thinking this about this person and that about that person. Distractions. Why in this? Distractions. Jesus, here's my distractions. I, I can't handle this. 
I can't go here because I want to be saved. I want my family to be saved. I want you to be saved. We can't afford to let distractions get in our way anymore. Lord Jesus, Lord, I don't feel your call for an altar call today. But just a self-examination of where I'm standing right now. There are so many cares that I've allowed to come into my life. They're just simply distractions that really don't amount to a hill of beans. They're not things I can change. Not in a, my, myself, that's something you're going to have to work with me. Not in other people, that's something you're going to have to work with them. And not in other things. God, that's your control. You, you have all things under hand. God, I have to get back to realizing that you have all things in your hand. I know, Lord, that the only scars that are going to be in heaven, we'll be free from those. We'll be free from those scars. We'll be free from those, but you'll still have them. The hands that hold us today still hold those scars from that cross. I need to come back to the cross this morning, Lord, and just realize what you did for me, but what you did for others, and just simply what you're calling us to do. We're the church of the living God. God, if I'm a child of yours, help me to start acting like it. God, if you gave me a commission and you did, help me to start believing it. God, help us as the church of the living God to be the church of the living God. Thank you for this people, Lord. I know the the things that you've been feeding into my spirit. They seem harsh to me, and I know to our people they seem harsh at times, but Lord, it's your, it's your way of getting us to realize that it's not harshness, it's love. You love us so much. You care for us so much that you just want us today to cast all those cares because you care for us. So we all today humbly submit ourselves to you We humbly submit ourselves to you. And God, when we leave this place today, God, help us to leave in submission, in humility, in a greater faith. God, I want a faith that's greater than a mustard seed. But I'm only going to get that when I have a relationship with you. I want to build that as a Christian, as a pastor. God, our church that we would have such great faith. The person that wasn't even Jewish, you marveled at their faith. They weren't even a part of the house of God, and you marveled at their faith. What would you do to the house of God if you saw so great a faith? Help me, Lord. Help me. I cast my cares to you this morning. I give them all to you this morning. They're all yours, God. They're in your hands. I don't hold any of my pockets. I don't hold any of my hands. I'm not going to walk with them. I'm not going to talk about them. They're yours. Because you care for me. In Jesus' name. I felt from the very onset not to have a
And I know it's odd for our church. Altar is another service for us. Not to have an altar service, but for, for us to take home today the fact that we have cares that God, could this be the opening of the door to the things God said He's going to do in our church? Could just casting our cares on Him, could this be that place where God says, that's all I've been wanting to do. That's all I've been waiting on. Now, here we are. Let's go. Could we be at that place? So I'm just asking you today, church, go home. Love your families. Love your neighbors. Cast your cares. And let God do what God wants to do. God bless you. I love you. I appreciate you. I know y'all think I've been spanking you for two years. That's... That's not it at all. God loves you so much. He loves you so much. He wants you to be a part of this. He wants you to be a part of this kingdom. Zach, would you come for this? For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.